I was thinking we can make it if we try. Okay. You know? Just the two of us. There you go. Podcast episode 130 with your hosts Tyler Dryblad and Sam Ginsburg. Here's Tyler Dryblad. Hey, alright, welcome everybody. What do we have for you this week? We have uh, a new beer trend, apparently. Uh, founders getting one of their classic labels back, and the first all female brewed beer, which sounds kind of of course, it's just Sam and I today, so uh, sorry about all the tangents we're going to go off on, listeners. That's yeah, we, we barely got the episode started because we were talking about obscure rap weed comedy. Yeah. We'll try and we'll try and keep it keep that to a minimum during this episode. What the the rap weed comedy? Yeah, not the tangents though. We need them. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. What do you have to drink today, Sam? Uh, so I got Schmaltz Brewing Co.'s Jubilation 19. Schmaltz is perhaps better known uh, as Hebrew, the chosen beer. We got here a 10 malt 9 hop bomber at 11.9%. Unclear as to what the style of this beer is supposed to be. I would list the malts and hops for you as they are printed on here, but that is boring. Kosher certified. That's fabulous. Fair enough. It's an American strong ale. Okay. So, yep. The... The color is even a little dark for an American Strong Ale. Like usually, it'll be a um, like a really dark, deep red, and this barely has any red. Like you can see a little bit on the fringes, but it almost looks uh, it almost looks like a, a, a brown ale or a porter. Unless you hold it up to light, you see a little bit of the red. So it smells very fruity, which I'm a little surprised by. A little yeasty. I wonder if it's gonna taste like a barley wine. No, this tastes like a goddamn brilliant strong ale. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, a little more of a Belgian strong than an American strong, which really is, as far as I'm aware and concerned, the main difference there is kind of the yeast flavor. It definitely has a Belgian yeast taste to it, but one sip in, this is a, a, an excellent strong. Nice. Definitely boozy, but uh, for 11.9, doesn't taste that boozy. Tastes like probably about an 8, so you're getting a lot of getting a lot of bang for your buck there. What do you got, Dip? I have 101 North Brewing Company's Stigmata. American Red Rye Ale. This is only the second beer I've had from 101 North. They're a local company, and they surprised me with a really good golden ale. I don't really drink too many ryes, so I'm honestly not too sure what to be looking for. It's definitely very red, I'll say that. Not a whole lot of head. Mine also smells a little fruity, a little bit like juice. Is it 100% beer for 100% adults? That's what it tastes like. I mean, it's good. I, like I said, I don't really know what I'm looking for in a rye, but this is like very, very drinkable. Good. Um, it's a, uh, it's a little, it's a little fruity. It's not. I don't know what to say about it right off the top of the bat, except it's very, very drinkable. I probably should have mentioned the ABV. It's six point nine, and it really doesn't taste anything like any alcohol. So um, I'm gonna have to dig deeper into this to to get some relevant things to say. I think. So I'm surprised to hear you use the words uh, fruity and drinkable because I I actually rye ales are quickly becoming a new favorite of mine. I've had maybe four or five of them on the show and a few outside the show, and I, I consistently enjoy them. And I think that they are bitter and bready. I think that's what you get from the rye is a bitterness and a breadiness. Uh, well, maybe this is a terrible rye ale, because it smells just like Juicy Juice, and there is not really any detectable bitterness so far. Well, then maybe call it a, a great red ale. You said it was a red yeah. rye, right? It is a red rye, yes. So, yeah, okay. I mean, maybe it is a good... Because, yeah, there's no like overwhelming maltiness or overwhelming hoppiness or overwhelming sweetness. So that kind of is the red category. I don't know. It is kind of cold. Maybe once it warms up, some of those bittering flavors will stop being suppressed by the temperature. 
I feel like the cool thing about a rye is different kinds of hops have different, like they all have bitter and another flavor. So like bitter and citrus, bitter and pine, bitter and like a, like a tartness. And I think that rye, even though it's not a hop, it's a malt, but it has kind of bitter and breadiness. And I, I like that combination a lot. But you know, I'm, I'm preaching like I'm the expert over here. I probably have not even had double digit red ales. Or rye ales, rather. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say. So so I guess maybe, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I, I think that they're usually kind of bitter. Hmm. Well, I, I do not know. All I can say at this moment is that I enjoy it, which isn't bad. You know, there are worse things to say. Let's see. So we have got Bruce Tuesday always on the cutting edge of the story. We reported on Founders Brewing Company being told to they had to kick their their famous little baby off their breakfast stout. I think you I think you had their breakfast stout during the baby era on here. I did, yes. Yeah. And they, you know, they had to they weren't allowed to use their baby label for the breakfast stout anymore. They had to change a new label. That was about 4 months ago. What I didn't remember and maybe we didn't report at the time was that this is kind of all because the label wasn't registered with the state despite the beer having been sold for about 10 years. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I thought it had something to do with them being like, no goddamn babies selling beer, but somehow Founders, at least according to foxnews.com, Founders was selling this beer with an unregistered label for about a decade. Well, now let me and tell you why that's... There's something suspect here. My, my, I wanted to say that's total bullshit, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say there's something suspect here. They immediately came out with a replacement label which was like a note on the fridge saying like I'll be back soon love the baby and an empty bowl of oatmeal. Yeah. So the baby must have had something to do with it. That's what I that's what I think the implication was. Otherwise they would have if they were able to register if they were able to register a label with a baby as fast as a label without a baby then they would have just registered a label with a baby. But clearly they couldn't so they registered one without a baby. But now the baby's back, so yes. obviously there must have been some litigation. It looks like, it looks like uh, whoever was originally reporting this, the Grand Rapids Press, quoted by Fox News here, says the brewery was fined three hundred dollars, and that's about it. And removed all bottles of breakfast out from its tap room, just from its tap room, not from not from liquor stores, not from distributors. Right, and now the labels on the bottles are, are fine. Man, you, so I sent you two different articles about this, and this was the better written one? Yeah, the other one was just like, hey, Founders got its baby back. Oh, okay, because this article's 85 words long. Right, the other one was probably 32. Okay. Yeah, I, I really would love to get some more detail about this. Uh, do you care to speculate wildly, or should we just move on? I mean, I my, my wild speculation kind of puts the fault on founders here. I feel like maybe they were like, oh shit, we fucked up. We didn't register a label for 10 years. Uh, let's say they were angry with us because of a baby. Maybe that'll like get people on our side. But that's like very wingnut conspiracy theory of me. Yeah, I'd, I think wingnut is, is an offensive term. We, we prefer a Northern Californian, I think is the technical <laughs> term. <laughs> I told you about the guy I was hanging out with around here who thought Obama was the Antichrist. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories about people thinking Obama's the Antichrist. Yeah. Well, I was hanging out with this dude. Like, when I first got here, I got a temp job as uh, at the bookstore at Humboldt State. And there was a guy working there, and, like, I didn't really know anybody. And so we were hanging out a couple times, and he was, like, telling me crazy theories about chemtrails. And I was like, whatever. Like, chemtrails, all right. I'll just deal with that. I don't really know anybody. You seem cool other than that. And then one day, I went over to his house, and he's like, you know, man, I've been doing a lot of reading, and I really think uh, Obama might be the Antichrist. I was like, oh, this is our last time hanging out together, bud. What was he reading? I did not ask. Also, uh, kind of a a tangent here, I know, all I know about chemtrails is it's a thing that conspiracy theorists are commonly made fun of for thinking about. I don't know what they are or what the conspiracy theory is. 
Okay, can, you want me to tell you? Can you crash course me on chemtrails right here? Sure, yeah. So, you know, like in the sky you see um, plumes coming out of jets and they make like pretty lines across the sky? Yes. Those are called contrails. It's, uh, it's a contra- It's a, a, a consequence of our flight. Water vapor and fuel shit and stuff like that. Okay, that all makes plenty of sense. It's it's not great for global warming, I'll give you that. Because, I mean, it's like that, exhaust and shit, right? Yeah, but other than that, it like doesn't harm people. Okay. They're contrails. But wacko conspiracy theorists think that there are um, like these chemtrails in the sky. Chem meaning like chemical? Yeah, like the government is dosing the population with all sorts of wacky shit. And like there's no one unified theory on what we're being dosed on. Like, this guy I was talking to was telling me about, like, people, like, being in chemtrail lines and, like, growing, like, fucking machines out of their skin, which obviously is crazy. <laughs> but, like, other people are like, oh, yeah, it's just, like, a bunch of antidepressants, so we listen to what they say, which is also crazy, but, like, less crazy than... Less crazy than, than Matrix. like, cyborgism. Right, yeah. So, I mean, there is, there is 0% proof of chemtrails. Um... People take pictures of, like, stuff in planes, and they're like, that's where they're hiding the chemicals. And it's, like, just obviously luggage or shit like that, you know? And that's all I can say. Okay. Well, chemtrail sounds real stupid. Yes, correct. I agree. Uh, but yeah, he thought Obama was the Antichrist, so that was our last time hanging out. That's rough. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Boy, that was all because you wanted me to speculate on founders. Oh, yeah. I guess I'll speculate that good job on the baby and stuff, and that beer is really good. That beer is very good, I will say that. Yeah, let's see here. So, I started classes today. And so... Well, I, I mean, I started classes again. We, we spoke before about your registrar woes. Oh, uh, yeah. Did any of those get cleared up? What was the... I can't remember what I said last time. It was like... Remember? It was like, you needed to take four more classes, but two of them weren't being offered, and three of them were at the same time, or some shit like that. Oh yeah, so it didn't really get cleared up that well, no. I'm gonna be here for two more semesters, because... Counting this one? Or on top of this one? No, counting this one. Okay. So this one, and one more, I guess. Um, because, yeah, I had two classes being offered on top of each other, and one class that was just straight up was not being offered. So I'm taking two this semester and two next semester, and then I'll be done. So you're going, it would be 3-2-2 two, two overall? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I started classes today, but I'm, I'm also applying for some summer positions with the National Park Service. I'm applying for some actual big boy jobs in my field. So I've been working on my resume and all that nonsense. It's terrible. I hate it. Yeah, resumes are the worst. I, I love talking shit like I'm awesome, like... In the, in the context of, for instance, a shitty podcast no one hears, but I, I really hate it on paper. Like, when I was applying for the job I have now, on the initial application, one of the questions is, what salary would you expect? And I was like, that question's a trap. I'm skipping it. And then further in the interview process, they ask it again, and I skipped it again. And then I had an on-site interview, and they asked me point blank to my face, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not getting out of this one." Oh shit! See, you can, you can glass door that shit though. I, you know, I should have, but also at the same time, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go high and seem greedy. I didn't want to glass door and be like, clearly, I did my research, and I didn't want to lowball and get lower salary than I could have gotten. You know. So I lowballed because I was really desperate for work. And I got hired, and I attribute it 100% to that. Hey, whatever. I mean, I worked at a fucking thrift store. They did tell me that if... At, this was long after the fact. If you get an on-site interview for a research and development position and you don't bite anyone while you're on site, you're already hired. <laughs> so I was all nervous for nothing, apparently. Right. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, I, I identify a lot with what you're saying. Like, I love... Tell that I'm obnoxiously self-confident in many areas. You think very well of yourself. Right, and I don't know why I can't just put that on paper. Like writing a writing a cover letter, I'm like, 
hello, please give me job, thank you. I think what it is is when you interact with me, you're interacting with, well, let's be honest, you're superior, but but you think we're equals, and so that's that's what matters is your perspective. You uh-huh. think we're equals, uh-huh. and you're talking to me, you're equal. Uh-huh. But when you're applying for a job, you realize you're addressing a superior, and you don't feel comfortable talking yourself up to a superior. Maybe that's true. That's Maybe just that's like true. that's just my my dad is a shrink type of I think I know shit about people mentality, but. So what you're telling me is I should work on my cover letter after this podcast because I'll be good and drunk and I won't care. I didn't say that at all. <laughs> no, make the cover letter like you're like you're gonna send it to one of your rats. I can't. I don't think I can call the director of park services a little fur baby. Well, you know what? You send it to me for a round of editing, and I'll just con- control, find, and replace fur baby with sir or madam. <laughs> okay, great. Sounds good. But uh, if I get this job, I will be a federal employee. Does that mean you're going to have to stop smoking the reefer? No, no. It's just seasonal. Okay. So so yeah. seasonally, you'd have to stop smoking the reefer. No. Oh. <laughs> okay. You misled <laughs> me by saying, no, it's just seasonal. You should have said, no, they don't drug test. They don't drug test because it's a seasonal position. Oh, okay. So if, you were, like, if you're full-time, they would drug test, but seasonally, they don't? Yeah. That's peculiar to me. It is peculiar, but yeah... It says right on there, like, this is a non-drug tested position. Not that it matters. If it was a drug tested position, I'd apply for that too. But, yeah, I, I like it, actually. For as much as I hate on the government, like, thinking about it, I've always kind of wanted to be a G-man, you know? Like, I wanted to be an astronaut first, and that's a federal position. And then I was thinking about working for, like, the State Department, and that's a federal position. And now I'm going to be a park ranger. Do you think it's because of your small penis and you want to feel like you have the whole government as your penis? Well, I mean, if it was because of my small penis, I probably would just have a gun by now. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I think it's just that I want the apparatus available to me to crush people, you know? Man, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of was the same way. Because I also wanted to be an astronaut when I was younger, and then sure. I wanted to be, I wanted to work for the NSA. Once I got into yeah. cryptanalysis. And then I was like, yeah. them some shady fucks. I'm going to go stack paper over here. This is true. They are some shady fucks. I don't know. There's just something so great about, I mean, terrible, but also great about being a tool of the overarching machine. Now, if you, like, say you get this seasonal job and then you uh-huh. you get your certificate and then you get a full-time job, park yeah. rangering or some something similar, sure. will, will you have to stop doing this podcast or stop disparaging the government? I mean, as long as you don't put my full name in text anywhere on the site, I should be okay. Let me do a quick control F after we're done here. <laughs> okay, cool. Sounds good. <laughs> Actually, I did I did Google myself the other day just to make sure. And uh, I, I only went like two pages in because who really goes beyond two pages into a Google? Did you find that picture of you flipping that panda off? <laughs> no. Yeah, you might want to, like, set your Facebook to private or some shit. Oh, come on. I'm way past that, dog. Wait, I'm not a Luddite. I, I actually, I have I have no fears. I have no regrets. I got nothing to hide. My shit's all public. <laughs> they There's a whole thing in my company about how uh, after three years, they pretty much do, like, a mini roast. Like, your boss kind of just talks about your work history and also people making fun of you. And it yeah. takes about eight to ten minutes. And I just hit three years this month, so it's coming for me any any month now. And I could set my Facebook to private, but uh, I'm the man without fear. I'm the man without shame. So if they want that picture of me dressed as Wendy of Wendy's fame, they got it. And I that's I don't care. If they want that video of you thrusting into my face, that's there. Is that on Facebook? <laughs> yeah. Well, then yes, I suppose. I don't remember that, but sure. I mean, and just, I mean, we have so few listeners and everyone knows who we are, but if we don't, uh, you can search Samuel Ginsburg. I go by the, the full formal Samuel on Facebook. If you want to look at any pictures of me, any shit I posted, I don't really post that much on Facebook lately. Facebook kind of sucks, but you know, it's all up there. I don't give a shit. <laughs> the man without fear. All right.
Actually, I recently got a new picture posted to Facebook. Uh, I know. Oh, right. You Yeah, you, you did uh, the like that on the uh-huh. book. Yeah. Uh, so, can I... Can I set this? Can I set the scene for that whole situation? Please do, because I actually have some questions for you. Well, no, lead with your questions. I'm curious. So, listeners, Sam had this picture posted. He was at a beer and cheese fest, and my question is: You look in distress in the picture. Is it because you knew a picture was being taken of you, or because you had eaten too much cheese? Neither, actually. Oh, okay. So, we're at the Isthmus Beer and Cheese Fest, a yearly festival right here in Madison, Wisconsin, celebrating the two loves of this state, beer and cheese. And there was, like, just this ominous button, and I had to investigate what the button was. And it just said on it, like, look at the camera, hit the button, and smile. And then it said, you know, blah, 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 post to Facebook, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. fucking figure out what it was? No, no, no. Okay, so... I'm there with the lovely three stacks, sure. and and I put my arm around her, I kiss her on the cheek really adorably, and hit the button. And then I pull away and go, see, that was great. And then there's, you know how sometimes cameras have the double flash? Like the yeah. flash to let you know the flash is coming? The yeah. first flash came, and I turned, and I was like, huh? And then the second <laughs> flash came. And I guess I didn't realize this is how it worked. It was like you hit the button, and then there's a three-second countdown, and then it takes a picture. So, like, my eyes are half open, and I'm confused about what's happening. It's because I thought I just got my picture taken. Turns out, right now, I'm getting my picture taken. So, so Three Stacks has figured this out by this point. Like, this is a, a this play-by-play is, like, a quarter of a second at a time. But she's figured out what's going on and is already laughing at my expense while I'm confused. Yeah, she looks like she's having a great time. Right. She, she's radiant in this picture because... She's never happier than when she's observing my misfortune. Sure, sure. And so in this picture, I look confused and, like, way drunker than I am. Yeah, you look fucked up. I This was, like, maybe 45 minutes into the fest. So at this point, I could have driven home. You look, like, drunk or sick or, or something. No, I was, like, I, I was just bewildered by circumstance. Sure. But three stacks, yeah, three stacks look great. So it's a real, it's a real good picture because... Three stacks looks like she knows what she's doing, and you look like you have influenza. Yeah. <laughs> the guy operating the whole thing, like, pointed to his laptop, like, you can come look at it if you want. And at this point, I was so frustrated, I just gave him the, uh, the, the off fuck it and walked away. <laughs> Sweet. But all in all, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty successful festival. Yeah. I had, it was, it was weird. I've, I've been to a handful of beer fests now, and... Especially in the Wisconsin area, I feel like I've really tapped the market here, because there were, because probably about half the breweries there, like we looked at what they were serving, and I said, oh, I've had all of those already. Oh, nice. Um, and also a lot of them were breweries that I was not interested in. Like there was a huge line for Alaskan Brew Co., and I was like, you guys are confused. <laughs> I feel like people probably were in line there because they're like, Alaska, that's far away. This must be hard to get. Would you Would you like a I, that that's I mean that's what you get there. Uh, but I I did have from Mobcraft Bruco. I've had I've had a f- couple Mobcrafts on the show. I was kind of talking to the people I was with about how Mobcraft is perfect for a fest because most of their beers are interesting ideas, and a lot of them are like a big swing and a miss. But the thing is, if you buy, you know, a ten dollar bomber or a four pack or a six pack, and it's a swing and a miss, you're like, ah shit. I just spent a bunch of money or I have all this beer I got to get rid of. You're at a fest, you wait in line. If it sucks, whatever, get in the back of the line and get their next weird thing. But uh, only went through the line once and I got a chocolate jalapeno stout that was delicious. Nice. It's best of the fest, in my opinion. I'm trying to think of if there were any other good ones. There, there were a, f- a few big letdowns. Like there was this uh, caramel pecan coffee stout oh, no. that I was really looking forward to that I... I I was not impressed with. Uh, really, I, I kind of liked the uh, cheese more than the beer for the most part. But they, they also had uh, they also had ice cream. It was kind of like an all-dairy type of a thing. Uh, it's America's Dairyland, don't you know? I, I do know that. But all in all, it was pretty good. Hung out with some, kind of just ran in, into some work people and harassed them. And, sure. you know, 
got a little drunk and didn't have to travel a ways like we usually do for these fests. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good time. Well, that's nice. Sounds good. I feel like... Although that was related to beer, we should probably do an article to, to really cement our status as actually a beer podcast. Show enough. So I'm going to go to eater.com. Why farm to keg brewing is the next big beer trend. And this, I think, is a timely article because I have been seeing bottles announcing, like, you know, farm to keg or farm to barrel. It's a tagline I've been seeing popping up. I feel like Rogue's and been out th- at this for years. It does mention Rogue in this article, yeah. So, you know, the whole idea behind farm to keg or farm to barrel, whatever you want to call it, is that essentially you build a brewery on farmland and you grow all your own shit and use all your stuff to brew beer, which is really, I think, the dream for most microbrewers, you know? Like, I think if everybody had their druthers, that's what they'd be doing. But it's also difficult and costly. So it hasn't really been a huge thing until recently. And this Eater article just kind of argues that this is the new thing coming. Uh, Tyler, when we were in college, did you ever go to Sprague Farms? No. So Sprague Farms, for for, uh, our listeners that didn't go to Allegheny College, was uh, kind of exactly this, except they, they didn't distribute widely. It was more of, you know, like a brew pub attached to a farm, and they, they grew uh, most, if not all, of their ingredients. It also was a really nice vibe. Like I, I went there one time, and you know we played we played cornhole, and I think horseshoes, and there was some dancing, and it was a very farm vibe. Friend of the show, Rainer, was there. We drove 20 minutes to get there. As we were going in, we got carded, and he said, "Oh no, I forgot my ID. Can I borrow someone's car to drive home?" And like he got 10 steps away, and the bouncer was like, "No, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Come back," because <laughs> he just believed him, which was really nice. But the thing is. Beer there is not very good, or at least Uh-oh. that's that's not a fair assessment. The beer there, when I last went, like four years ago, was not very good. Now there could be a couple different things going into that. You know, it could very well be that because they're growing their own ingredients, they don't have quality ingredients. But it could also just be that they're not stupendous beer makers. You know, my suspicion is the former, but I guess there's no real way to know. Okay, that's fair. So, I think, personally, that this this would be the dream. But I also have, like, a weird homesteading tendency, because I read too many survival books as a kid. For a, for a hippie, you have such this weird, like, prepper, conservative vibe sometimes. Yeah. It was just too much Gary Paulson. Like, I read Hatchet. Oh, like, Hatchet's so good. Movies. Yeah. So good. Uh, I mean, I think that regardless of your cl- your climate, you're going to limit yourself. Like, even if you're a place you can grow hops and grains, you're not going to be able to grow every strain of hops and every style of grain. That's true. And also, I think you're limiting yourself in terms of ingredients, depending on how pure you want to be with this whole thing. Like, what if you want to make a tangerine hefeweizen, and you can grow the wheat for the hefe, and you have yeasts lined up, but you can't grow oranges there. Is it kosher to buy tangerines? Because sure. you're not going to yeah, grow goddamn tangerines in Kansas. Well, I think, you know, in the article it talks a little bit about how this is also done to reduce environmental impact because you're not shipping stuff all over the place. So if you're doing this purely for a reducing environmental impact or like a like a real I got to do things my own way type scenario, then yes, I think you're limiting yourself. If you're doing this as a way to kind of cut down on some factors, not eliminate them, then I think you have a, uh, a broader palette to choose from, and I think that's really the way to go. I guess if you're growing 70% and and importing 30%, you're still doing way, way better than your average brewer. Right, yeah. And uh, I, I think it's a great idea, you know, obviously restrictive in both what you can do and if you can do it, 
but I would be excited if this was the next trend. Uh, I've had some of the Rogue Farms beers, and I thought they were great. I, I do have concerns as a, as a Jew about this hitting prices, because I, I think that... <laughs> I think that, you know, even though obviously you're cutting out a middleman and, you know, you're not having to buy from someone else, it's it's so much more cost effective to farm on a large scale and they're not going to be able to farm on that same scale. So I think the ingredient price is going to go up. So in order to keep their bottom line intact, they're going to have to raise prices, which which is fine, but it may make some people, potentially me, shy away. That's, yeah, that's a good point. I think I would expect to see, you know, especially this day and age, you know, handcrafted, artisanal, blah, 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 is all the rage. So even just being able to put those words on there can increase the price. And I think that's definitely a concern for the kind of initial spike in popularity. I think you might see some overpriced, you know, farm-to-barrel beers. But like everything else, I expect it to die down eventually. Well, I think you earn that higher price, and I think that they'll be able to make, you know... Their business will be successful even with that higher price because I think that there are a lot of people out there who will pay a lot of extra money for that farm to barrel. All I'm saying is I'm not one of them. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll buy that, Samuel. I will take that argument. That is fine. Boy, that was that was some in-depth beer talk. I'm proud of us. Uh, boobs and butts. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you a transition over here. I don't. It's going to be rough if I'm the only one who has one. Uh, let me see if I can let me see if I can whip something up real quick. Classic IMDb up in this B. Nobody's going to get that. Do whatever your nobody's going to get that is. Uh 3sex, we need another guesser. Can you can you hop in just for this segment for guessing purposes? She's drinking a beer so it's all kosher. Okay. Well, not as kosher as my beer obviously. Uh. Well, you'll just have to be hint liberal. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So, oh God, this is a movie. In this in this in this pornography, this porno film, it's about an ass that is just just an ultimate power bottom. You know, just like to an extent that it hurts people. Wow. Okay. A lot of a lot to unpack here. So <laughs> we're looking at an ass power bottom, and it hurts people. Those are the those are the bullet points, right? I guess the power bottom thing is just, you know, a way of... That's flavor text? Right, yeah. Pun intended. <laughs> flavor sexed. Uh, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> okay. So, oh, it's Yummy Butt. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Thanks, 3 text. Got it? No, no, I don't know. I don't... No. So, but uh, am I on the right track at all in my guessing vein? Yeah, I mean... So I think the easiest thing to get is the word, is the other word for ass. Posterior? No. Rump? Nope. Uh, donk? <laughs> Not a donk, no. Uh, three seconds, you want to help out at all here? Not really. Synonym it's for... Not a, it's, a, it's a pretty tame word for ass. Tame is your specialty, three stacks. Get in here. Is it butt? It's not butt. Is it bum? It's not bum. Is it tush? It's not tush. Is it Yiddish at all? No, no, it's a fully American word. Okay. So it's not fanny. It's not fanny, which in the Queen's English does not mean butt, Samuel. Yeah, that that is, in fact, the joke I was making. Great job. Okay. Thank you. Heine? No, I actually almost accidentally said the word just now. The Queen's English? Oh, the Queen's English. Yeah, you got it. That's what I call my ass. Did, Fucking Did butts. you guess rump yet? I think I guessed rump. It starts with an R. Rear? Yeah, rear. Okay. And rear is a changed word, I have to assume? Rear rear is the only changed word. So it is it is one rear that is providing so much power in the sexual act that it is injuring people. Uh the the rear hunter? The rear punter? Um, the rear hunter isn't so bad. I should have just gone with that. Okay. Although I think I might have done the rear hunter before. Oh uh, yeah, we did. That made me uncomfortable. <laughs> Tears for Rears? That's Not. a band. It's, I'm aware. It's a band, but also I kind of like it. It's better than what I have, I'll tell you that. Okay, so like, three stacks, we've both beaten his high score. I honestly don't think you guys have heard of this movie. Man, I'm a cinephile. 
I know these movies. I did the 100 movie challenge in 2015. Whoa. The self-imposed 100 movie tap challenge. Well, I think this movie came out in 2014, if that helps. So, for the other words, should we be, be guessing power-based words or pain-based words? Like, if you inflict a bunch of pain, you're doing what? You're being what? Hurtful? Rude? <laughs> mean? I'm getting colder, aren't I? Yeah. If you inflict a bunch of pain, you're you're being Sam. Oh, come on. I ain't never done nothing to nobody. Just a little fella. I don't even, like, this doesn't even have actors that you are well familiar with. Uh, again, you underestimate me. Give me some actors. Jessica Chastain. Okay, never heard of her. Yeah, that's the most recognizable actress. Fuck. Three texts. It's very possible we've, neither of us have heard of this motion picture. It is very possible. We give up. Okay, it's a most violent rear. Never heard of it. Yeah, the, the original film is a most violent year. Nope. I did start this off by saying nobody's ever going to get that. Fuck. Okay, here's one for you. Let me bring it back. Originally a book, I think it was made into a movie, but I'm not totally sure. But really focus on the book, because you know it is a okay. book. So this is a place where a ghost would go, like, in a restroom for anonymous oral sex. So it's got something to do with a glory hole. A hole is in there, yes. Hole. The ghost holy boys. No. No. It was a book, though, right? A book, originally. A book, most famously, maybe a movie. I'm not totally sure. And is, is hole, hole is not a change. The hole is the changed word. Oh, really? Yeah. So in a ba- in a bathroom in a bathroom, what would where would you go for a glory hole? Stall. Okay, so think of a word that is like kind of a synonym for stall, but not really, because I'm really stretching it here. Booth. Yeah. Really. Oh no! Say it three seconds. Oh, you know it, son. Just because they're interacting with children. That's why you think that. Look, I know. I'm not saying it's reasonable. I know I'm the only child in the world that doesn't like The Phantom Tollbooth. But it just, it's a very uncomfortable book for me. Man, I love The Phantom Tollbooth. Milo, why are you hanging out with all these fucking weirdos, dog? Uh, three sakes, you gotta bail us out here. Oh, I have to do one now? Uh, no, you don't have to. But if you have one, please do it. Can I just tell you about the time that... When I was in sixth grade, my class had to act out the Phantom Toll Booth for the fifth graders. Yeah. Is, wait, is that the whole story, or do you have an actual story? I don't know. I was the dodecahedron, and they wanted me to somehow make, like, a cardboard dodecahedron to wear as a costume. Except there's one scene where he just has 11 other faces appear, and they're like, you can figure it out. Uh, instead, I drew 11 smiley faces on a shirt and then put a sweatshirt over it. That's it. So you were a D12? Mm-hmm. These chicks don't even know the name of my band. Man, no one in the no one is going to get that reference. No one that listens will, and everyone that doesn't listen won't hear it. That's too bad. It's a pretty good joke. Great. I'm so glad you're going to edit me into sounding racist and leave that in there. <laughs> I haven't decided if I'm leaving that in yet. Great. Let's see. What else do we have here? We have one more article. Now, since we've done the porn game, let's talk about an all-female brewing uh, company. Oh, okay. Actually, it's not really an all-female brewing company. That's that's a lie. Oh. From the phoenixnewtimes.com, first all-female brewed beer to debut at Arizona Beer Week. Okay, so, so already I gotta I gotta stop you there. Yeah. That's not correct. I left out the first part. What was the first part? She's so hot. Well, well, no, that's no, that's just a cute pun. Uh, oh. this isn't the first all-female brewed beer. Well, I mean, if you want to add like professionally or something to that sure but we took a beer brewing class in college and we were split up into teams and at least one of the teams was all female was it yeah uh, steph and emma were in a group and it was just oh, yeah, them but, i mean can you call what they made beer i mean they didn't make the best beer but they that was a super rude shot at steph and emma for zero reason i thought their beer was was a solid b you know i know i, I was just being mean for no reason no reason yeah, no, I mean, obviously, throughout the history of time, 
I'm sure other ladies have made beer. Just ladies. But... So what is the specificity here? What makes this specialer? I'm guessing that it's A, professional, like you said, and B, since records of this thing have been kept. It does say women from over 30, 30 breweries around the state gather, blah, blah, blah. So I guess this is a like a an all-female brewing co-op type of a thing? Yeah, so it's ladies from all different brewing companies who got together and made this beer called She's So Hop that's going to come out at a brewing event. So um, maybe so maybe not, you could say it's like all pro. Yeah, yeah. But even then, that's probably not accurate. There were definitely... There were definitely medieval sects where only women were allowed to brew. I wouldn't be surprised, but I did say since records of these things have been kept. I'm I'm sure if I googled hard enough I could I could discount this. Maybe if you add in the modern era. Yeah, I could say like 2014 to 2016, but that's hella lame. It is hella lame. Are you just trying to say this is hella lame? No, actually I I think this is really cool and I think that women are hugely underrepresented in in brewing and also in craft beer fandom, which, as someone who is dating a, a beer lover, you know, I, I feel I feel like she's underrepresented and she's kind of, you know, atypical in that sense. And I would I would like her to be able to to talk to more of her female friends about good beer, but that's kind of not the case. Her friends have yeah, shit so, taste in beer. So if you'll fucking stop laying off with God, all the goddamn technicalities. I just want I just want a little specificity. Is that so much to ask? But, um, this beer is debuting February 11th, and I don't think anybody outside of Arizona will be able to get it. But, yeah, I think it's cool. Way to go. I drink it. Yeah, uh, did they say what style it is? I'm assuming Uh, an IPA or an APA based on the name. I think they did say an I forgot. Oh, uh, Red IPA. There it it is. Yeah, uh, Red IPA, that sounds good. I would, I would try that for sure. I would drink it. But if you do look at the picture, it has a picture of all these ladies here. And while that is one kind of minority group being represented, it looks like almost all of them are white. Yeah, we have a, a couple of racial minorities in here, but not a whole lot. I actually sent you an article maybe four episodes ago about why there's a racial disparity in the craft brew scene. We did not use it. I, and, and also, clearly, since I don't read them, I didn't read it either, and now I'm curious, so I'm going to have to go find it. But Yeah. I mean, there definitely is a racial disparity, and that's kind of too bad. But, hey, this is this is better than a, a picture of 50 white guys brewing a beer. White guys with fucking blow teas. What are, what are blow teas? Is that bloated oh, goatee? It's an Aikwood thing. It's a blow tea on a fat person that just arbitrarily defines where their chin is. Oh, gotcha. I mean, this isn't a bunch of dudes with beards and flannels and trucker caps. Sure. So I, it's it's a positive. I see maybe three flannels in this whole group. So great job. And I see three or four baseball caps. Baseball caps and trucker caps are different. I know they're different. Anyway, yeah, so I, I think it's cool. I don't know. I'd try this beer. Three sex as a, as a female... Beer enthusiast. beer enthusiast, thank you, and female amateur brewer, uh, home brewer, I guess is the term for us folk. Do you ever feel underrepresented as far as your gender is concerned? I don't know. I guess I don't. I don't think a whole lot about like the the grand scale of brewing and the fact that there aren't a lot of women in it. It's more of a. It would be nice to like be able to go to bars and not have the bartender recommend a really great new cider they got in just right <laughs> off the bat. Right. Yeah. So, if we can get more ladies in craft brewing visibly, that seems like a good thing. That's the nice thing about uh the place we go for beer these days is uh the a couple of the bartenders know us. So, you know, at first you know, the, the more sexist ones make assumptions about what I like and what she likes. But, you know, now the bartenders that know us know if there's something barrel-aged or something dark, they tell her. If there's something super hoppy, they tell me. Or if there's something with hot peppers, they tell me. And and that's awesome because even though I think, like, you know, I'll get down on a, on a barrel-aged stout any day. I, like, I'm still a sucker for an IPA. So it's it's... It's good when they when they recognize that and and look beyond 
uh, our physical appearances, although, you know, we are both white people who are liking craft beer, so I guess we're not totally breaking ground here in terms of stereotypes. Uh, my dog's humping me, I think. Is he? Come on, dog. Well, no, he's not directly humping me. So he's doing this, he does this thing these days that I might have talked about before on the show. That he started doing, I think, because I was walking him outside when it was too cold, where he would, like, hop up on his hind legs and put his front paws in my hand, and I would literally hold his hand, and we would keep walking, and he would walk on his hind legs, and it's super cute, but now he's, like, trying to put his front paws in my hand, and he was just doing a pelvic thrust. (laughs) So, I think originally it was to get out of the cold, and now it's a sexual thing. Dude, you don't even have... All right, so I I just grabbed him by the scruff of his neck and put him on the ground. Is that helping? Yeah, you're the big boss. Now pee all over his stuff. Oh, fucking Roach's dog, Jackson, who still has his balls and thinks he's the shit, is a English bulldog. He's He isn't, like, a super dominant dog. Actually, Barley humps him every now and then. <laughs> but uh, whenever I take Barley out and Jackson goes out at the same time, Barley will pee, and Jackson will immediately pee on his pee. And I think that's like a marking territorial dominance type of a thing. Don't fucking pee in my yard, bitch. But it's it's like out front of our apartment. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's well. like there's a crazy amount of snow outside, and the only... We can't count on the sun to do the work we want. Our best bet is just everyone lets their dogs pee in the snow. <laughs> there, there are a lot of holes... In this, in this, like, snow mountains that are just dog pee based. But that's enough dog talk. Well, we have two lightning round articles, and then maybe it's ring time. Uh, yeah. So, goddamn three sacks keeps holding out her pint glass to the dog, and he's trying to drink it. Becca lets the rats drink some of her alcohol sometimes, and I'm like, they are the size of my palm. They are gonna get sh- wasted. Yeah, but the thing is that dogs have souls and rats don't, so it's fine. In my defense, there's about an ounce and a half of beer left in this glass, and there was no chance his tongue was going to reach it. We're all worm food. Nobody has a soul. Somebody's going to seal your carbon. Someday. Uh, and now it's time for the lightning round. Now, Tyler, can you please tell me about seven ridiculous, but kind of awesome beer gadgets? Is any nitrogenators on there? No, I just asked you to tell me about them. Oh, okay. So, um, some of these, it, it's seven, I think this is a very accurate headline, because some of these are cool, and some of these are goddamn stupid. Like, the first one, Lolo Lids. It is a fake coffee cup designed for you to put your beer in, so you can drink on the lowdown. Oh, so Lolo isn't, like, low to the ground, it's like, keep it on the low low. Yeah, exactly. Which is both great and totally dumb. Now, could you not just use... Could you not just pour your beer from a can into a coffee cup and put an actual coffee lid on it? Oh, you sure could, Samuel. Okay, so this is dumb as fuck? The next one is a CO2 mini beer tap. So you can turn a keg or growler uh, into a tap. Except, by the looks of these, these are maybe a pint? This is one beer at a time, it looks like. Well, it looks like they're strapped onto clean canteens. I don't think they have to be on Oh, okay. After that, we have the LED beer pong table, which is fucking dumb as shit. So let's just move past that. Yeah, let's move past that. After that is the cooler knot, which is also dumb as shit. That look, that's a, that's what we call a koozie. Yeah, it's a koozie, but it's got a frozen puck insert at the bottom and a, a thermometer on the outside, so you can know when your beer is as cool as the Rockies. Yeah, so you, you made the reference I was going to make about how... Cool as the Rockies was like the stupidest shit ever because you could just touch it with your goddamn hands because you're an adult. I guess Yeah. this is the same shit. Uh, next one is Oak Bottle. So the idea behind this is you take a beer and you put it in this Oak Bottle and it kind of gets Oak aged, which like on the one hand makes somewhat sense, but at the other, if you're doing this for like 10,000 different beers, eventually it's just going to taste like swill probably. Does this work? It says <laughs> let it sit for 24 to 48 hours. Not at that I mean, this is this is close to a point where I want to buy it for science. 
which is, I guess, better than the rest of these shitty contraptions have been. Yeah, this one almost has you. I, uh, like I haven't, I haven't checked the price yet, which will be a determining factor. Oh yeah, it does have a link. Click on that oak bottle link. Let's see how much is an oak bottle. Oakbottle.com. That makes sense. Man, not a great response time for this website. No, still loading. Uh, fatal error. Oh, you got a fatal error? That's not good. I got to the website. Really? Let me F five that shit. Uh, Here we go. Eighty dollars. Eighty dollars? That is far too much. I was thinking. I was thinking 30 would be generous, 20 would be okay, 15 would be reasonable, 80, let's, let's go on. that's crazy, I'll just buy a tree, goddammit. it. <laughs> you don't even have to buy a tree, you can just go find one that fell down, who's gonna stop you from taking a tree home? Goddamn park rangers, <laughs> the next SS if you ask me. It's just, it's just because I love the irony of calling my more Jewish friend a, a Nazi sympathizer. Tell me about Brew Jacket Immersion. This one looks cool. Uh, this is for us home brewers. And it, uh, it looks like essentially a big stick that you stick into your carboy that can control the temperature, which would have been really helpful when we were brewing because we were brewing in a closet. So this gives you some better temperature control for your limited space. Whoa. The one time we were brewing in a closet and we needed to, and we were making that a Hefeweizen so it needed to brew colder, we put it in a tub of ice and that worked fine. <laughs> We just had to change the ice out every day for three weeks. Which was not ideal. It was not ideal, but we got it done. No, sure, we got it done. I just think if I had extra money and I was brewing regularly, this would be a cool thing. Okay, so I just clicked on the link, and you don't click on the link. You tell me, if you're a person like me, for instance, who homebrews and makes way more money than they should, what do you think is an appropriate price for this product? Like a hundred bucks? Three hundred goddamn dollars. That's too much money. Two ninety nine ships in two to three days. You know, at one hundred to one hundred and fifty, I think would have been appropriate. That three hundred is too much money. This last one can't cost too much though, because it's just a bottle opener. It's called the saber tooth, and it's a bottle opener that you can use to poke a hole in your can so you can shotgun your beer. Uh, so it's a bottle opener and a key. So what you're saying is it's it's you could just you could put this on a keychain. Yeah. Okay, and now tell me what do you think a saber tooth should cost you? It should cost like five dollars. It's probably thirty dollars. Uh so the Sabretooth Magnum Collector's Edition, which is sold out, uh, was marked down from thirty nine ninety nine to twenty nine ninety nine. But the Sabretooth Raw the Sabretooth Raw is fourteen ninety nine. Uh they have a bunch of uh different colors. The ocean blue That'll run you nineteen ninety nine. I think I would go for the Dark Knight, also nineteen ninety nine. Uh, but you know what I think I would really go for is now you might think I'm gonna say a bottle opener and a key, because that'll get this job done. What I will go for is just opening a can with my hands, because I'm an adult, and then sipping it at my own reasonable pace, because I can like get into bars now, because they're legally obligated to allow me in, whether they want to or not. Which they don't, because I'm not handsome. I don't have to put the beer inside of myself as quickly as possible anymore. Exactly. That reminds me of... uh, uh, Oh. I was talking to, oddly enough, my dad the other day about how we used to get into Sports Garden the, like, two or three times we went there. Yeah. Do you remember our two tactics? Do you want to recount this for for the listeners? I believe... Well, I remember our main tactic was going in with the girls' basketball. Well, okay, so we couldn't get most of the girls' basketball team to go with us. So, Nikki, friend of the sh- friend of the show, well, right. I guess she hasn't been on the show. Uh, just say friend of the show. Yeah, she's a friend of the show, I assume. She was on the girls' basketball team and would escort you in when you were under 21 and then leave five seconds later and then escort me in and then kind of keep making the rounds with the underaged men in our group. Because they don't card dudes if they're on the arms of attractive women. Correct. And then and maybe... Then I think were you there for the other tactic? When I, I just told the guy that I wasn't 21 and he let me in. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Okay. So what I was going to talk about was friend of the show, Sam Adamson, Nikki's boyfriend, who was on like, like the fifth or sixth episode of this bullshit. He handed the bouncer his ID and then passed it to me. <laughs> and then I handed the, the bouncer's ID... The, his ID, and I swear I passed it to you. No, it wasn't me. 
maybe it was Rainer. It was probably yeah, Rainer. Probably Rainer. I, I think like four or five of us got in with the same ID, like in a row. Oh, God, did we? That's too bad. And you're just a little bit older than me. So I went there, and I didn't really have anybody with me. So I just handed him my ID, and he was like, you're not 21. I was like, I'm real close, though. <laughs> he was like, okay, just don't make any trouble and let me in. Uh, did I tell you about the time that I stuck into a bar in D.C.? <laughs> no. Okay, so we, the same people we've been talking about, Sam and Nikki, uh, we went out to a bar with some of their friends in D.C., and this was before I was 21, and I had with me a friend, uh, a, a Frisbee guy's ID, uh, Chaz's. The thing is, Chaz is younger than Chaz us. Chaz is younger than you are, yeah. But Chaz had a fake ID. So Chaz lent Chaz. me his fake ID. So I had a fake, fake ID, essentially, because I don't look a goddamn thing like this guy. Right. And we went to a bar... And I had the fake ID in my hand, and I was real, real nervous. But the guy right in front of me showed the bouncer his passport. So it took the bouncer, like, a while to figure out how to read the passport. And I literally did a spin move past the bouncer and sprinted into the crowd. Because there were were so many people that I just went into this group of... I just went into a big group. And, like, what was the guy going to do? Like, leave his post to come find me? No. I just dipped... And then I waited a couple minutes for the people who were legally allowed to be there to come in. And then I found them. And then I didn't go to the bar. I let other people buy beers for me. And that was the only good experience of my going out in D.C. experience. Because it actually is a total shit town to go out in. Well, I mean, it is the capital. D.C. is one of my favorite cities. But it is not fun in the nightlife. Um, that was a very, very, very long lightning strike. Oh, Jesus, that was the first of only two. Okay, so the second one is from underconsideration.com. We're talking about the, uh, this is a rebrand of Bud Light. So kind of, really, this is, podcast is an auditory medium, and right here we have two pictures. Uh, but it's kind of funny, the, the one on the left, the before, the Bud Light can you know, is, you know, kind of, it looks like it's trying to look really modern, even though I believe this was probably is probably uh, designed in the early '90s, and the one to the right is the new can, and it looks like it's trying to look like it's from the 1800s. It's yeah, it's very simple. It's very blocky. I feel like it's just the original AB logo, just all in blue instead of the white and red that they normally have. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't look too it also, special. It also kind of looks like it was made by the Masons. Uh, you're, you're just judging it based on the parallelograms, I guess? Yeah, you know, all the geometry and stuff. I just don't trust those goddamn Masons. This is this is not the time nor the place. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this redesign? I, I mean, it's hard to be worse than what they had with that big, like, vented can graphic splash right across. Yeah, they're going from real loud to real quiet, I think. And I think that's a bad move for them, just because I think when you're when you're Bud Light, what you're doing is what you want is for people to go to the liquor store and see a rack of Miller, rack of Coors, rack of PBR, rack of Bud Light, and to pick Bud Light. And I think that this is so plain that the millennial eye will glaze over and not even notice that it's there. Perhaps even looking for Bud Light, it will not notice this logo. That's fair. I do think the, the basic images they have on the can are nicer than what they used to have. But it's it's two colors. It's blue and white. And I think you're right. That might just... For, for us go-go-go MTV generation types, that might be a little too subtle. Hey, I called myself a millennial, but I will not call myself an MTV generation type. I was fucking, like, obviously pissed off in line at the grocery store the other day. And the cashier, who is probably 20 years old, I was picked up on that and called me sir. To fuck with you? No, like, because I was like, because I'm like almost at that age and I was clearly displeased. So she was like, better just be safe, better give him the sir. (laughs) Damn, I'm getting kind of old now, huh? We had very different experiences with the first time that someone in the grocery store called us by an adult. Oh. I don't know. When I was like 
probably like 17, a dude at like the deli counter, like I was standing nearby waiting for my mom and he was just like, can I help you with anything, ma'am? And I was like, I need to go home now. Man. I need to go home and knit with my eight cats. <laughs> One of the first times I went through <laughs> the line at Super Fresh, um, a Maryland grocery store that has since closed down. Someone, like, was making conversations with me about my purchase, and I walked away from that whole situation at the age of maybe 14, thinking, wow, what a nice guy. But in retrospect, that might have been a pedophile. (laughs) I might have narrowly avoided a a sex trap. Damn, wow, this just got dark. Man, speaking of a sex trap, this dog keeps trying to hunt me. You gotta gotta tell him his boss. Like I said, grab by his scruff again. Scruff him. Yeah, no, he's, uh, I don't think he thinks he's the alpha. Because when he, when he, like, climbs up on some shit to get into nonsense, all I have to do is stand up, and he'll get down and run away. So he doesn't think he's dominant, but he thinks he can hump your arm into submission? Uh, I think he's just horny. You got his balls removed, didn't you? Yeah, we did. So he should be good. That didn't, that didn't save things with my last dog. No? The, the dog we had growing up... Literally, this is so. This was maybe my twelfth birthday or something. Tackled my friend and humped his butt, like full on doggy styled my friend. And so the rest of us are like up on the couch, and he was trying to climb on the couch to get away from the dog. And I'll never forgive myself for this. We pushed him back down so the dog would keep humping him. Yeah, no, it was the funniest shit in the world, but I lost a friend. <laughs> you didn't come back after your dog humped <laughs> I mean, it would have been one thing if the dog humped him and I was like, man, that was rough. But the dog humped him, and then he tried to get rescued, and we betrayed him, and then we made fun of him the rest of the day. Heaven forgive me, I was 12 years old. Can we rate these beers? Oh, boy. Woo-hoo. Yeah, let's go ahead. Oh. I just, I can't stop laughing at a 14-year-old boy getting humped by a dog. He was 12. Oh, Christ. Oh, we were all 12. I just said that. Didn't I? I thought you said 14. I might have said both. Uh, I had Schmaltz Brewing Co.'s Jubilation 19th Anniversary Ale. 11.9% ABV. I'm almost all the way through the bomber. And the bitterness is building on me a little bit. The astringency is building on me a little bit. I think that at the beginning I said, this is like a brilliantly executed Belgian strong. The Belgian aspect is fading. And kind of the the dryness is, is replacing it. So I liked it much more at the beginning than I do now. But I still do think this is a brilliant beer. And if I had a glass of water in my other hand this would remain excellent. Because it really is just drying me out a little bit, and that's that's the only thing putting me off. I'm going to have to stick with my, my initial impression of really loving it, though. I'm going to give it a 7.8. Pretty good. I, and, and the thing is, I think before I've given beers medium-high ratings, but then said I wouldn't recommend this to anybody. Like, this is fine, but it's not worth seeking out. And 7.8 is not the highest rating I've given, but I would say everyone should try this. Because it's, and usually when I say everyone should try this, it's because it's really unique or really special. And this is definitely not unique, maybe special. Really, it's just, it's an excellently executed strong. This might be the best strong ale I've had. Which is a style I like, but is not one of my faves. This is a great strong ale. So, if you like strong ales, definitely try it. If you don't like strong ales, maybe you've been having the wrong strong ales. Might I recommend Schmaltz Jubilation 19. So I'm kind of hitting everybody there by definition. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a good beer. I will definitely keep an eye out for it. I had 101 North's Stigmata American Red Rye Ale. I, at this point, feel like I just need to try more red ales to figure out if this is what I should be expecting or if this is kind of an outlier. You mean rye uh, ales. That's what I meant, rye ales. I did the same thing you did, didn't I? You did. Yeah, I need to try more rye ales. I don't have a whole lot of experience with the style, and that makes judging this beer a little difficult. I did really enjoy it. I thought it was very drinkable. I thought it was kind of like a, a fruity, 
red ale, and the rye only kind of showed itself in kind of a, like an astringent mouthfeel under the tongue. Maybe that's some of the, you know, the rye bitterness that you're talking about, Samuel. That sounds right. But it wasn't, it wasn't that um, front and center, really. So I think this might be kind of an unusual rye ale. I mean, that but might be the difference I, between a rye ale and a red rye ale. Also true. Like I said, I need to try more of the style so I can really understand what I'm drinking here. But I definitely liked this beer. Um, it was very drinkable. I, I thought, I, you know, I put it back pretty easy. It was 6-9, and uh, that's always fun. So I'm going to give it a 6-9 as a rating. Um, I recommend this to people. <sighs> I don't really know who to recommend this to. Maybe people who really like red ales but would like a stronger red ale because it is a little more alcoholic. It does have a little more flavor. Um, it's kind of a narrow category, but I guess that's who I'll go with. I really think... I Knowing your taste, I don't know if rye ales would agree with you that much like in in a larger sense but i do think you should at least try like three or four more just get your bearings on the style because i think it's really interesting and i think that it's i think it's overlooked and is worth your time well i i think that's definitely advice worth taking and i will be looking out for ryles in the future cool uh, and, let, uh what you got next week yeah let me grab that see usually when there are three of us, I'll rate first and then scurry off to grab my beer. But with just the two of us, I had to fucking engage you for a change. Goddamn annoying. I have a beer that could go either way. This is the limited edition Horny Goat Chocolate Peanut Butter Porter. Uh-huh. So I had a, a beer once on the show before that was chocolate peanut butter. I think it was a chocolate peanut butter porter. It might have been a brown, but I was really looking forward to the chocolate peanut butter combo because, you know... It's one of the best flavor combos that exists in the world today. I agree. So I think there's all the potential in the world here, but I think just in my experience, both brewing and drinking, peanut and peanut butter is a very difficult flavor to impart. Correct. Uh, so I think this might end up being a creamy chocolate porter or a boring chocolate porter or even just a shitty porter. I don't, I'm not familiar enough with Horny Goat as a brewery. 6.5%. I really, I, I want to be so optimistic about this, but I just can't bring myself to be. Well, keep your, uh, keep your hopes low, and then maybe it'll blow past your expectations. Let's hope so. Let us keep our fingers crossed. So, uh, I guess that is it. Thank you, everybody, through, for sitting through a two-man show. Hope we kept you entertained. If you have anything at all to say, you can email us at BruceDayTuesdayPodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Bruce Tuesday, or you can comment on any of our links at BruceTuesday.com. Other than that, don't let the bastards keep you down, and we will see everybody next episode. Bye! Bye! Catch all your tears. Drink the remedy, forget about your problems. Here comes a shot, lose all your thoughts. Drink the remedy, forget about your problems. This one's on me, fix you for free. Drink the remedy, forget about everything. This one's on me, got what you need. Also, thanks to Three Sex for stepping in for like oh, yeah. uh, 10 minutes or whatever. <laughs>